Welcome to Winning Is Not Everything, where we bring sanity back to youth sports by focusing on character development, effort, and sportsmanship, not rankings and trophies. I'm your host, Sean Jensen, former NFL reporter, children's book author, and youth sports coach. Sometimes we like to gloss over a story too quickly and just pinpoint the quote unquote highlights. That's not gonna happen today. Stick around to find out what I mean. TeamSnap is the presenting sponsor of the Winning Is Not Everything podcast. As you start thinking about your spring sports season, the TeamSnap app can help you spend more time focusing on coaching and less time worrying about the team management side of things. Even in this preseason time, coaches can use the app to start building relationships with players and parents through the messaging features. Plus, once your spring schedule's ready, put it on the app for parents to easily sync to their calendars. Download the TeamSnap app in your mobile app store or visit teamsnap.com winning for more information. A few years ago, my son enjoyed watching this series on YouTube called Oversimplified. The idea was to explain historical events with animation and comedy very quickly. They were clever and provided some information, but I was troubled by the fact that a lot of key historical moments and individuals simply can't be quote unquote oversimplified. Context, perspective, and depth matter, which leads me to part three of our conversation with Jay Demerit. Sure, saying that Jay Demerit rose from the ninth division of football in England to the Premier League generates a lot of interest, but you can't oversimplify his story or his journey, though that doesn't stop many people from trying. But that's not how we roll here with Winning Is Not Everything. And I am so privileged that Jay and I dove deep into his experiences starting at 9th Division South Hall FC to Watford in the Premier League and then the ultimate stage, the World Cup. Let's get to it. What's something that you're noticing today in sports that concerns you? I mean, you got kids signing D1 contracts like seven, eight, nine years old now. It's like, what are we doing? You know what I mean? Now, and that person's got a million followers on Instagram. I guarantee you that kid doesn't even make it to college. You know what I mean? Like the odds, the odds are very much against him. You know, this, like I'm looking at this kid named Baby Gronk on an Instagram the other day. And because again, like I work with kids all the time and I'm like, the fact that Baby Gronk is already setting himself up, like talking about D1, days my, you mad at my dad or you mad at me? He's already playing the game. I just have a bad feeling that the game is going to spit this kid out. And by the time he's 15, everyone else will catch up to him because he's not a baby anymore. And then he's going to have a lot of issues. And, and again, his parents are probably saying, well, make your money now, bro, because you might not make it. And I guess there's contact there, but this is the world we live in now. Yeah. You know, when we're not just taking a seven-year-old and going, yo, dude, you're seven. You're really good at what you do. Enjoy that. Make your money if that makes you a YouTuber. But if you're not studying engineering by the time you're 14 or paying attention to how to cook meals or take care of yourself and do your laundry by the time you're 18, I don't know how good that's going to turn out for you. And again, that's not it's not me telling some kid that he's not going to be what he is. I just know yeah. numbers and I know facts. And I know the fact yeah. is how many kids play D1? How many kids go in the NFL? It's 1% and 1%. And so it's like maybe a little bit more than 1% when it comes to university, depending on what yeah. university you're talking about or levels you're talking about at, at, at that collegiate level. But still, it's like the numbers are minuscule. 
We should be working in truth and accountability to the 98%. And so that's what we build the programs around. Be be holistic. Understand your story, story. Understand your struggles. Create support for yourself. Create a mindset that helps you understand yourself so then you don't have to believe the noise so then the stress and anxiety goes away. We're not creating formulas and curriculums through programs that are allowing you to do that. We're saying, hey, 10-year-old, you're really good at football. Be a part of my organization so I can get you into Stanford so Stanford can pay me so your parents can save $150,000. That's all money-driven stuff that's all built around all things that are not that kids. And I think that's where we as adults are failing our children. You know, I'm saying that collectively as adults, that we are failing our children. And I think one of the issues is it is incumbent on us to have the maturity to frame what success is. And so when we're sort of setting up the expectation that success is getting a college scholarship or success is becoming a pro, we're setting up our children for failure. There's nothing wrong with striving for those things, but we have to reframe success so they understand, hey, the pursuit of being able to play soccer outside of high school or basketball or playing the violin at the next level, whatever that passion is, that the pursuit of that is what's going to help you to become great, to develop the traits of consistency, to learn about attitude, to develop the grit, right? To develop all those things that are going to help you to be successful, even if you don't reach that, right? It's that old saying, like, shoot for the stars, and if you fall in the sky, it's it's still success, right? I mean, you've still made it really far. I, I love what you had to say there, because I think that's such a good perspective that we're sort of forgetting. You became an overnight sensation on May 21st, 2006, when you headed home the opener in a playoff game against Leeds United to help secure promotion into the Premier League for Watford. But people forget that you moved to England three years earlier, starting in the ninth tier for Southall FC. Why do you think we do that? And expound more upon that idea that you alluded to earlier about the overnight sensation and just how it applies to your story. No, and I love that. And it's a great question. And I think the way I like to sum it up is this concept I call dreaming big, but thinking small. Mm, And so dreaming big and thinking small, again, in my case was I finished school again. I'm a D1 college soccer player, honorable mention All-American. So I'm like top hundred players, maybe in the the NCAA division one. So again, I should have confidence that I'm a good player at the end of the day. I lose a bit of that confidence when the draft comes. It doesn't work. Right. I don't get drafted. Right. MLS chooses me, not doesn't choose me. I get very limited opportunities to continue my professional life. Right. A couple walk ons to like D2, D3 teams here in America. So I was like, you know what? I got this opportunity. First, you got to weigh up your opportunity. So my opportunity was to go and live in England, the greatest soccer jungle on the planet. A, that takes a little bit of bravery and a little bit of craziness to think if I can't even make it in my home country, how am I going to make it over there? But that being said, if I know my story and I know that I'm already played against a bunch of pros in the MLS right now and in my mind done well against them I just I'm not on a scout sheet because I'm about 100 spots too low back then the draft was different again understanding my story was the first way for me to start to take risks on myself and so that's the first step to understanding how you can become something later so dreaming big thinking small is like I built I believe that I can make it pro that's my big dream right and so now if I land on Chelsea you know now I land in the UK the mindset goes, I'm not going to Chelsea and knocking on their door and being like, hey, if I'm dreaming big and I want to be a Chelsea player, or a Watford player or any of these big pro teams, ideally that mindset is I'm going to go there, knock on the door and then I make it right. That's overnight success. 
But dreaming big, thinking small says that's the goal. I've put that up on the wall up that up over there. But I'm sitting here in my chair going, make a team first. <laughs> okay, make ninth division team. Cool. Okay, now I'm on the ninth division team. I've made a team. Cool. I'm sitting on the bench. Thinking small means now I need to start. So my next goal, thinking small, is I need to be a starter on this team. Now, next step is now I'm starting. Now I need to be one of the best contributors on this team. Because if I'm trying to get on that wall over there to professional contracts, I need to be the best player on my team by the time this season's over, because that's the only way that that scout's looking at me anyway. If I'm just some guy that comes off the bench in the 80th minute, like why would any, why would I ever think I can make it to that wall? You know what I mean? It's not working. So thinking small says, first, you got to make a team. Then you got to start. Then you got to be a contributor. Then you got to be the best player. Now I'm in this conversation where professional teams are starting to look at me. Now they're starting to look at me and I go, okay, that wall is getting closer. But now what? Now I got to get these tryouts and I got to try it a different way. It's like I had three, two third division trials I didn't make. One, they put me in the 87th minute. The other one was with a bunch of uh, released players and they only took one of the 26 guys. And he had been released from Arsenal, right? So he was like already in the book. He already knew, they already knew the player. And so like, again, if you look at the world and what that would have looked at me and dreaming big but thinking small, is it like, oh, I had my dream and I, I didn't take it. But thinking small says, no, I went from the ninth division to now a starter contributor, third division tryouts, hopping six divisions in a year. That's my perspective. I'm not looking at it like I'm a failure. My mom's going to be mad at me because I didn't make my team. I had my shot and I didn't take it. It's I hopped six divisions, got two tryouts, neither of which worked in my favor because of these reasons. Maybe, maybe you should keep doing what you're doing. And so that's like thinking small, like I'm okay. Now Mm -hmm. what's next step. Now I come back for preseason because my next step is that my team is playing against a first division team called Watford. Cool. That's a nice little step. I get to play against a first division team in a friendly. That's a good opportunity. I'm coming in for that focus, maintain preparation for that, nail that game. Guess what happens? They need a player. They need a free player. This dude shows up, plays out of his mind in that game because I was ready for that with the sole focus of playing well on that game. I get a tryout. Parameters start to work in your favor and people start to call you lucky, but they don't know that I've had three opportunities like this. I've prepared now in a bunch of different ways. And so when I'm ready to bring a different bat into that game, I'm ready to swing it because I know what I'm doing because I practice it. I'm paying attention and I'm thinking small the whole way to make sure that when I get that opportunity again, it's going to be better. And so that just continues. And that continued once I got my contract with Watford. Okay, now I got to do the same. Now I'm on the bench. Now I got to start. Now I got to contribute if I'm going to ever make the national team. So you can see this whole idea just keeps yeah. happening over and over and over again. Each new, each new arena I enter in that's bigger, the mindset starts back into where it was during big things small. So now I make the team at Watford. Now I want to be captain of this team and I want to make that national team. I want to play in a World Cup. That's a four-year vision, right? Okay, how am I going to do that? First, I got to start and be a leader for my team at Watford. Then we have to play in the Premier League, which I've done. Now I'm a captain of the team. Now I'm a leader. Now, do you think that I'm going to, and I'm going to walk into that national team with more confidence because I don't need to be a first year guy at 27. I'm a captain of a Premier League team. I can walk into the national team and think that I should be a starter. And so that's the mentality I walked into that work. But guess what? I had to sit on the bench for two years before I got an opportunity to play for the national team. So again, I kept the same mindset of, okay, cool. World Cup's over here, but now sit on the bench. Wait for your turn. When your opportunity comes, you got to take it. Opportunities are few at the highest level. You got to make sure you're ready for that. And so I'm not, I'm thinking about that moment. I'm not thinking about the World Cup. The World Cup's the byproduct of me being a starter on this team and being a contributor and me having Bob Bradley go, I need this guy. Worry about that. The World Cup's the, the result of that. And I remember the first time you played, I think due to injury, you played great. And that was the opportunity I've been waiting for. But again, because I had been in that opportunity about three or four times in my career before that, I knew what that felt like. 
I wasn't a silver spoon fed person that when adversity hits, I'm like, oh, screw the coach. Talk to my mom, get mad at everybody else. You know, that wasn't me. Yeah, we've seen that play out a little bit. (laughs) Even even recently. And that's still going on at the national team level. And so and that's not even what I was talking about. But that's a good example of what still is going on right now. And I think, you know, I was a player that never really had that luxury. And so. I, again, I, I when I would had hit that adversity or when I looked at the the dream big thing small moments, I just concentrate on the process. Those little min, those yeah. mini ones of, of understanding how to get there, but then really concentrating on the process. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes that really complements what you're saying right now. It's from a, a motivational speaker, Les Brown. I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, one of his best quotes is, "It's better to be prepared for an opportunity and not have one than to have an opportunity and not be prepared." It's so true. And again, the, we let those opportunities pass through us all the time because we're not looking for them to the, to your point. And I think or an opportunity presents itself and then we're scrambling to think that, oh, I'm just going to go kick the ball against the wall for three hours to get ready for the opportunity I have tomorrow. Not how it works. Exactly. <laughs> and actually, my I, I did a TED talk in Vancouver a couple of years ago and it's you can Google it. It's it's uh, it's called Are You Ready for Your Sunny Day? And it's exactly of that mindset of like, when that opportunity comes, are you thinking about what can go wrong? Or are you ready to knock it out of the park? And I think that mindset of how we prepare for things is is crucial to why we have success in our big moments. And that's what Ted thought of me. Because when you speak at Ted, they, they curate your message with you. And so they absorb my stories. I sat with their board for a bunch of hours and then you they yeah. come back to you and they're like, this is what we think is your big idea. I'm going to have to go back and watch that too. Now, when was that moment for you? Because another thing that I think we sometimes forget is you spent years to earn that opportunity at Watford. And we're seeing that now with the U.S. national team, like several players who seemingly come out of nowhere to end up on the radar. What was that moment where you felt like I finally arrived? Was it something with Watford? Was it with Vancouver? Was it with the national team where you just really felt deep inside like, wow, this is a very, very special moment for me. I, I think if I had to put it down to one moment, yeah. it would be the playoff final. You know, it, it yeah. was that took me three years to get to that moment. But when you again, like we were so ready for that moment, how we prepared for that game was a year's worth of work. I always call it. I do this whole talk on this thing called the circle mentality. And we had that that year where every Sunday we would come into our meeting room and there would be 30 chairs in a circle. And it created this like ultimate accountability. I know we've talked a lot a lot here, but like the circle is like it, it's a togetherness idea because you can't hide in a circle. We all look at each other. And so it like creates this like accountability for your responsibility as the person in the circle. Because if one person fails, the rest of us do too. Because if, if you look at the circle of pieces, if one piece leaves, like the circle collapses. It's a, it's a thing of, of togetherness. But every week that circle was our communication circle. It was our ability to express what happened in the game, go over game tapes, the coach's ability to talk to us all, but yet still make it one-on-one in our conversations. And like, and by the end of that season, again, we got to the playoff final. We make it. I end up scoring the first goal, get man of the match. And so like I'm sitting there. I remember like it was the first time my, my whole family had been there for a game wow. in, in the three years. And so like have them all in the stadium. I think I had like 37 tickets. So I had like all the non-league buddies, like all my the family I was staying with for a bit. And like they were all there. And it's like for me 
again, thinking about why that moment was so special is because all the yeah. people that most of the people that were part of my journey were there to enjoy that with me. Wow. But then I'm, I'm sitting there with like this game ball, like talking on the Jumbotron after the game, talking about how like, I don't remember exactly what I said, but I just said something along the lines of like two years ago, I was sitting in a bar watching this game as someone that didn't even really have a chance in the sport. It just shows how far you can come. Like when you have support, when you believe in yourself kind of idea. And that's my story in a nutshell. And I think that moment was just a, my coming out party. So then everyone in America, no one in America ever heard of me before then. And all of a sudden there's this dude in the, <laughs> going into the Premier League in 2006 and the World Cup is in Germany. And there's all these fans going, who is this guy? Like, why isn't he coming to the World Cup? He's in the Premier League and he's not playing for us? Like, what's going on with this guy? Yeah. And they were like, they didn't know my story, but they, you, then all of a sudden I'm on a resume that says like Premier League football player going and playing at Old Trafford and Manchester United next year. Like, who is this dude? And so that was like plus man in the match. Plus like I've now made it. I'm a Premier League player. I got a good contract now. Like, let's go. And so, yeah. And, and that was, I, I mean, I was 25 at the time. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Winning Is Not Everything. Please make sure to like the podcast and subscribe to the podcast so you can immediately get the latest episode. Also, I've launched a new newsletter, the Youth Sports Sanctuary, which aims to provide a safe space to ask questions and engage in discussions on the important challenges and issues in youth sports. Before I close, though, my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, and I are thrilled to present our Coach of the Month. We want to shine the spotlight on coaches in youth sports who are making a positive impact on young student-athletes, and we want to recognize Dante Prevet, who leads the planning and execution of coach education initiatives for the Philadelphia Youth Sports Collaborative. Among many other roles, Dante is the creator of NFL Flag Philly, and he's in his 15th year of coaching tackle and flag football, rugby, lacrosse, and basketball. Congratulations, Dante. Last but not least, I want to thank my presenting sponsor, TeamSnap, the go-to app to help you have a successful spring sports season. Until next time, I'm Sean Jensen.